0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to You, Me, Them, everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Nevin Martell is a conversation that is sort of dark because we live in dark times. Uh, It's a lot of talk about parenting, specifically during the coronavirus. Uh, Nevin was on our February 29th, 2020 marathon show, most likely the last live show that we'll be doing in 2020. And um, he's been on the show multiple times. I hope to see Nevin in person as soon as uh, it's safe, and I'm glad that he spent time to talk to me. If you're listening to this, uh, you might know that things aren't going well, and that's why we have a Patreon account. Consider donating in the podcast description. Uh, if you're listening to this in iTunes or Spotify, go to com. The Patreon link is in most every episode description. Here's Nevin. I wanted you to do the show for a while, and... I'm glad that you're doing it now. And I'm going to ask you
1: what I've been asking
0: pretty much everyone that I've been talking to is how has your life changed in the last five months?
1: It's gone totally upside down. I mean, you know, I work as a food and travel writer and there is no food and no travel to be written about. So, you know, work went from, you know, however many hours a week to just a few hours a week and uh, no trips, no meals out. You know, no hanging with chefs for profile pieces. Uh, it's the work side of it has just been uh, totally upside down. And also, the other thing that I do is produce live events. And of course, we're not doing any of those anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that uh, was a real body blow, too. But on the upside, uh, you know, I've gotten to spend a lot more time with my son and my wife. Um, you know, my son's seven and a half years old now. And, you know, he was out of school getting virtually schooled at home and so he would need to go outside for a couple hours every day so we've been spending a lot of time exploring in you know, the parks and the forests in and around dc which is awesome and you know i've had a chance to take him foraging, which has been really fun we've been out for morel mushrooms we just came back for, from chanterelle hunting um you know i've got a garden going in the backyard that i really can put some time and love into and like everybody else yes i got deep into sourdough sure um, so you know i've got two bulls in the fridge right now just uh, fermenting away so i can bake them off tomorrow but uh you know i so what i would say is the biggest changes is, is like work went from an all-consuming part of my life to almost no part of my life and all the things that i've ever wanted to explore you know foraging fermenting bread making all that kind of stuff and time with my son went all the way up which you know from a bank account perspective not great from a soul perspective awesome
0: so but you already had a good relationship with your son and yeah. with your wife so it's not like you 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 know what i mean like you are yeah
1: so i did not it, it the great thing about it was is we were working with an awesome foundation already and you know i've always loved being a dad and that's always been the favorite job that i've ever had and i hope always will be but you know, despite that, you still just don't have as many hours in the day when you're working as you want to spend with your kid or they want to spend with you. And so um, this just gave us time to do things that we wouldn't have had a chance to do otherwise. And uh, just allowed us to kind of totally geek out and deep dive on all sorts of fun stuff. You know, we built a Lego Millennium Falcon. that was too many pieces to count and took too many days to remember. And, you know, we just, Do all the things that, you know, you want to do, but Mm -hmm. you just say, oh, maybe we can do it on the weekend because I'm busy now. And then on the weekend, you have to do a million things and it never gets done like the way you want it to get done or it only gets done in a super small sliv. Um, So, no, I mean, the people I feel so bad for at this time is like the people that don't have great relationships with their spouses or their children. And they've been just boxed up and bottled up for five months now and nowhere to go. And you know that's not healthy for anybody, and it usually <laughs> leads to really unhealthy outcomes on so many levels. Um, you know, all that being said, I'm pretty sure my wife sharpened the uh, the chef's knife a couple of times and <laughs> thought about taking me out because you know, being stuck with anyone for five months is, is tough. I mean, like, how are how are you and your family handling it?
0: Well, I went from paternity to furloughed to laid off, so it's oh yikes. It's a it's a different thing because the first so we're 5 months into it now the first 3 yeah. months of it if anything I just felt like everyone else was catching up to where I was at mentally from just mm-hmm. you know how it is like paternity leave is a very yeah. weird wonderful isolating time yeah and it's like a it's a great chance to do like all the inward stuff because like the kid is way too small to actually like do anything like, it can't even crawl yet really no. and then by the time he could crawl and COVID's in full effect, and now it's like, well, now you should be seeing other kids a lot, but you can't. And yeah. it went from me taking him to a library story time five oh. days a week to no days a week, and that's a different type of isolation. Does that make sense?
1: It, no, it totally makes sense. And, you know, I thought that one of the great parts of uh, you know becoming a dad is that it is isolating, but it makes you really think about what's important and you can trim a lot of fat Oh, yeah cut away a lot of the bullshit in your life that you hadn't even thought about before it's kind of like All the things that you shove into the back corner of your attic and you're like, it's there It's not having any negative impact on me But then when you take the time to look at it, you're like, I just need to get rid of this. Stuff. Oh, but that's the, the problem thing with your life I had there, I've done none life. of that yeah, <laughs> I
0: I had already done that with like years of therapy and having a kid at the age I had yeah. the kid. So like I was, I had already trimmed the fat. It, so this is not a time of rediscovery or discovery for me. This is just like, Oh no, I, I liked what I had and now it's right. gone.
1: <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I miss seeing my friends and going out to meals with them and you know, just being able to be social in in a normal way i mean i miss it so much you know i watch television shows now and i find that like i like cozy up to the tv when i when there are scenes in a show when people are just hanging out and just being social like i'm like oh god it was i remember that it was so nice it was so we're watching like now we're just watching historical reels when we watch tv shows it's like Ah, the way it used to be and the way it never will be for the foreseeable future or maybe ever again. So
0: you were one of the last people I saw before this all went down because you were kind enough to be part of our February 29th marathon. And I'm really glad I got to do that because I got to talk to a lot of different people over the course of 12 hours. And then... That might that will most likely be our last show of the year, and I never thought the yeah. February show would be our last show of the year. You were on that show specifically to promote New Kitchens on the Block, which clearly that did was. not happen. I think it was supposed to take place like a what a week after everything got shut down.
1: Yeah, it was supposed to take place in early April. Oh, okay, and, so a little uh, more. But yeah, no, no. I mean, it was a few weeks out, and uh, you know, we held out hope. You know, we were thinking about putting markers on the floor yeah. and extra, you know, sanitary elements and you know hand washing stations and and then we just both looked at each other and we're like we're crazy like it's we this is not going to happen and it's only going to get worse from where we're looking at it now a few weeks out from the event we we can't do this and you know we i you know you saw some people trying to push through it saying oh we're going to keep our restaurants open no matter what the mayor says or oh we're gonna we're gonna have a concert and you're like oh god like this is that it's just ego and vanity Oh, like, yeah, you gotta let you gotta let it go, man. Like they, we're all in this together, and well, uh, hold on, you're not doing anyone any favors. We
0: are all in this together, technically, but we're not <laughs> actually <laughs> because I've, I'm same page as you, right? I hi, I don't know when I personally will feel comfortable enough to go to a place with a lot yeah. of other people under a roof. Period. Oh, God, yeah. Now y- you're probably I'm assuming same wavelength. But yeah, yes, yes, today in the Washington Post, a paper that you occasionally write for, there's a interview with uh, Seton Smith and some of the guys from the Draft House because he, Seton's uh. doing a weekend at the Draft House this week in the Arlington Draft House. And yes, it's diminished capacity and stuff like that.
1: But oh, a, yeah.
0: seeing a stand-up show right now seems very uh. incorrect. Ooh.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. We all need to laugh um, and, you know, I've really appreciated the times I have been able to laugh during all this, but, you know, while sitting in front of my screen of whatever nature, Mm -hmm. not sitting in a a room with a bunch of other people. um, No, I mean, I don't feel comfortable with it, you know, not because not just for my safety, but the safety of my family and the safety of, you know, we saw my, my mother and my in-laws over the summer Mm -hmm. and they're both, they're all elderly and, you know, I never would want to do anything that would bring the disease into their lives and potentially negatively impact them in some way, shape or form. Um, I mean, you know, another great thing that I learned as a father, and I'm sure you did, too, though you probably had less work to do on it than I did, which is you can't be selfish like there is. You're always you are automatically number two, if not number three. Oh, yeah. In the equation from that point on, like you are never number one ever again. And your kid comes first. In all likelihood, in most decisions, your spouse will come first, too, oh, yeah. before you. You are a distant third. Yeah. And so, you know, you got to let go of that.
0: <laughs> oh, completely, completely. And yeah. I, this is the part where it's like, well, now I'm just getting angry, not because I'm oh. jealous. In, in no way do I no. want to go to the draft house ever, let alone during a pandemic. <laughs> but I'm angry because, like, these are our neighbors and that's yeah. a pointless risk. That's not grocery shopping, you know? Right. And that's not even the beach. Like, I kind of understand the beach or an outdoor anything more than an indoor comedy show.
1: Yeah, I don't, you know, where you're laughing and, you know, you're releasing all sorts of (laughs) moisture molecules or whatever they refer to them as into the air. I mean, you know, you might as well be getting up into a stranger's face without a mask and just like yelling into each other's throats and seeing what happens. Now, yeah, I, no. I
0: understand wanting to go to a restaurant indoors. I am not comfortable with uh, it. I know that people are, people yeah. aren't. That's that's up to them. That one makes more sense to me.
1: Oh, you, to be honest, I mean, you know, I have not eaten out in a restaurant mm-hmm. since March, and I've gotten takeout and stuff, but, you know, I've looked into some of the restaurants, and, you know, you see people out on the patio, and they're six feet away from each other on the tables and stuff. But, you know, I've been in restaurants and, and you know, they've got like plastic barriers up in between yeah. the tables. And I mean, the server comes over dressed like they're about to do surgery and, you know, the flatware and the, some of the tableware is like either disposable or wrapped in plastic after it's come out of the steamer. I mean, it seemed like I just don't think I would enjoy it from an experiential standpoint. You know, there's all yeah. the anxiety. of There's all these reminders of the pandemic around you. The food and everything is coming out in a way that you're reminded that you have to be in a hyper sterile environment. You're looking over at your other guests through plexiglass. I mean, I just don't find, I wouldn't find that at all appealing. Never mind the threat to myself and the people that I would then see after that. I mean, so
0: we're sort of neighbors. We're not that. We're a few miles apart, but I'm on mm-hmm. the D.C. side and you're on the Maryland side. Is that correct?
1: Uh, I'm in Silver Spring and Woodside. I exactly. forget where you live. So yeah. I'm in
0: Tacoma uh, like three blocks from where – or four blocks from where you used to live. Yes, like that's right. Okay, fairly yep. in Tacoma Park. Yep. Which matters because um, where I'm on the D.C. side and Tacoma downtown is half and half. Literally half of it's in D.C. and half of it's in yep. Maryland. And it's super fascinating to me because on the D.C. side uh, where there was a great Thai restaurant and yep. uh, a really good sandwich and coffee shop whatever – what they've done is they've shut down the street and all in. You can't eat indoors, but you can only eat outdoors, and it's it's yeah. all contactless, right? But then, literally down the street is Maryland, so Republic is now open, but like every other, no, every, for every two tables that are closed, one table is open type of situation.
1: Uh okay, yep, okay.
0: But they're indoors, right? So the one time I walk by, there's like a table full of six people. Uh, definitely all of them under 25. No one's wearing a mask and they're celebrating a yeah. birthday party or celebrating a birthday. And the servers, like you said, all masked up. This staff is all masked up, but it's just yeah. like six disaffected, like early 20 somethings, not even necessarily drinking, just like not paying attention to their texting. And I know I sound like an old man, but I'm trying to illustrate the point that it doesn't matter if everyone's not following the rules. As soon as one person doesn't follow the rules, that the cats out of the bag, we're done
1: dude, you know, it comes back to the selfishness thing because anybody who's in the service industry, you know, whether it's in hospitality or they're working at the post office or they're working at the hardware store, those are the people that are going to come in contact with the most amount of people. And they're the people that they're going to have to say to wear a mask if they're not wearing a mask and they're supposed to be. They're the people that, you know, they're going to have to touch their stuff, you know, whether it's money or plates or whatever, you know, it's just like have some compassion and empathy for the other people that are going through this that, you know, aren't as lucky as you to be the one sitting at the table or buying the seeds at the grocery store or, or buying the seeds at the hardware store or whatever the case is. Like, my, again, like I know we're not all in this together, as you so unfortunately pointed out, but like people really do have to get into that mentality um, or else this is just going to keep going. This, like, that's the problem. Like, we we will be in an endless spin cycle of slow death. And, you know, there will be no getting out of it because people will continue to do what they want to do because America and freedom.
0: Sure. So this is the question I've also been asking almost everyone. If you could spend this, this coronavirus, if you could spend (laughs) this global pandemic anywhere in the world, where would you be?
1: I would love to be on Easter Island because it's the most isolated place in the world, and it would just be so interesting to experience ice, like ultimate isolation mm-hmm. and the ultimate isolationist spot. But would and, you be
0: with your family, or would you be like, you guys stay here, I'll be back, question mark?
1: Well, it depends on whether I could get my wife on the plane or not, because uh, I've heard that the trip from uh, Chile out to Easter Island is not in a big plane and my wife is not a fan of small planes. Ah, (laughs) And, uh, but no, I would love to take them. I mean, come on, man, like check out the Moai and, uh, do some serious hiking. And, you know, I would, I would just love to be as far away from everybody as possible and, and see what it's like when you're that remote at a time like this. Where, had, where, where have you been hearing other people wanting to go or where do you want to go yourself? Most
0: everyone says... You're the first person that's giving me a very good answer, by the way. Oh,
1: good. <laughs>
0: uh, most everyone else says something flippant, uh, like, oh. I want to go to Spain. Like, we're in Spain. It's like, I don't care. Just saying we're in Spain. It's like, yeah. but why Spain? It's like, I have always want to go to Spain. Fine, whatever. <laughs> um, or where they're at currently, because their whole thing is like, well, I chose to live here for this mm-hmm. reason. Um, it's, it's fascinating to me that my... I have a friend that lives in Kansas City, Missouri, and he's originally from the UK, and he's glad he's in America, mm-hmm. even though obvious. And he had coronavirus.
1: Oh wow! I have is he, a friend. Is he
0: doing okay. He's fine now. I okay. have a friend who is originally from New York, who currently lives in London, and he's very glad he lives in London and not New York. And I understand yeah. that completely. Um, what I don't understand is the idea of like, well, this is still my country. This is still my whatever where all I want to do is go to Canada for literally survival instinct. And right. I was talking about that openly op- for at least the first two months of this global pandemic, probably three. But then the murder of George Floyd happens and the the, the protests happen. And now when I say like that, it sounds like I just want to leave this country because of that. Well, right. if anything, I wanted to leave this country way before that. <laughs> and I, it's the weird thing where like, well, now I kind of want to stay to show that like I'm not like on the side of evil. You know what I mean?
1: No, I totally know what you mean. And, you know, I want to stay because I don't want the other side to win because I know that there are so many good people that have a beautiful, bright vision for this country. And I think we're in the majority. And I think that we are going to take this country in a great direction. If things go well in November. Exactly. Because if uh, things
0: don't go well, we literally will, di- not we, some of us might
1: die. And oh, that's not absolutely. a euphemism. <laughs> no, not- no. It, honestly, if Trump, this is not euphemistic or hyperbolic. If Trump wins in November, it will literally be the end of America as we know it. And it will usher in an era uh, and a decline of our country that will just be horrifying to watch, horrifying to experience, and deadly. Truly deadly, So, as you said. To, will to you try people. to leave then? It, I mean, you know, I'm a white man married to a black woman and we have a multiracial son. And, you know, I already worried about the prospects of my son in this mm-hmm. country long before Trump and long before even having a son and long before George Floyd or Trayvon Martin or any other name that you want to pull up, um, you know. I would think about it long and hard. But again, I I don't think the other side deserves to win, and I know I'm right. And okay, so <laughs> I don't want to leave just because of a bunch of assholes who happen to be Listen, racist and xenophobic and homophobic and the lot.
0: I'm with you as of now, but if you think of why you live where you live, and a lot of those reasons are thrown away, why mm-hmm. do you live where you live, right? So th- that's another huge part of this. And I wanted to live in a city because I like interacting with other people. I like having a large circle of, of friends and acquaintances from diverse and mm-hmm. and, and different uh, backgrounds and, and goals, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. But if those things can't exist, if we can't go to a restaurant or a bar, there is no live music. The sports teams are in a bubble in a faraway mm-hmm. city. You can't. Your kid can't play little league. Why are you where you're at? Is, is that, that's kind of why in a weird way november means even more because i don't think we're going to get back to a quote-unquote normal no for a lot longer if that happens
1: i agree we are definitely not going to get back to nor normal whatever that means at this point for a long long time if ever and to be honest let's remember that for a lot of people what was normal was awful and we should not try to go back to that in the first place. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, um, I think that this could be the most painful inflection point in our country's history, but it could be a great turning point in terms of, you know, equity and environmentalism and, you know, just reshaping the American dream. So it's a far more inclusive dream. What you're um, saying
0: is so dependent on one thing and that's a very uncomfortable place.
1: Yeah no no I do it you know it, you're right I mean it's uh it i I put my faith in the American people you know nearly four years ago and was horribly let down mm-hmm. by the results that they delivered by that faith but I do think it's different this this time and uh, I don't think that people are going to be sitting on the sidelines or giving them a second chance or you know just saying well what's the worst that could happen because we're we're living through what I the worst
0: every could other day nine eleven death toll
1: is the worst yeah i mean honestly dude if somebody had said this to you as like what your life would be in august of 2020 if they had said it to you on you know let's say january 1st of this year you know there was like a whiff of wuhan you know like oh there's this virus happening in china but you know there was no thought that Everyone was like, yeah, remember what happened with Ebola? And everyone's yeah. like, no, what happened with Ebola? And they're like, exactly nothing. We figured it out. It was fine. It's no big deal. You know, um, what happened with like the flu, avian flu? Oh, yeah, no, no big deal. Nothing happened. People, it, if anyone was even thinking about it, that's the terms they were thinking about it. in. Yeah. You think about now, you know, five months with so many people either out of work, their work diminished or working from home or working in highly unsafe environments, you know, you think about all of the wonderful unrest over racial justice and equity. You know, you think about just the huge economic downturn in general, except for the stock market, which really doesn't seem to give a fuck about mm-hmm. real people or real things. Um, like if somebody described this to me and pitched it as a, even if, if they had pitched it as a movie, I would have been like, ah, you know what? T- to be honest, it's a little too far fetched. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just, I'm just not buying this. Like, This would all never happen at once. But do you think that that's the
0: majority of, is that what I believe you, you said that that's what you believe. I feel like most everyone in my circle believes those things.
1: But here's the thing. I think we are at a point where there is, there is not a single person in this country that hasn't been, negatively affected by this pandemic whether it's as literally as you know having someone they know be infected and and fallen ill to someone who's lost a job to someone that hasn't gotten their prescription in the mail by now Mm -hmm. like there is no person in this country that hasn't probably been themselves profoundly affected by it or at the very least knows a large number of people that have been affected by it in one way shape or form just because it's so pervasive yeah. at this point it, you know, if this had been like back in like the end of March and people were just like, Oh yeah, we're going to be on lockdown for like a month and it's going to kind of suck. But you know, everyone's getting, you know, government paychecks in the meantime and like yada, yada, you know, if it had ended after a month, that would have been one thing. Yeah. But like, you know, we're, We're five months in. There's literally no end in sight. There's no plan. Like, it's not like we're all working on a plan and we're like checking the boxes. And, you know, there's nothing like that. Like, there's no, I just don't ever pick up the paper and certainly never hear anything from the White House uh, that tells me, like, this is the plan. If we just do this plan for X number of days, X number of months, we'll be out of it. There's none of that. And I think that even the average person who doesn't pay attention to politics, who doesn't consider themselves a political person has been affected enough to know, you know what, this is not working out so well. And you know, what's the worst thing that can happen to me if I vote for the other guy, even if I normally wouldn't have.
0: Yeah. Speaking of not working out so well, do you have a plan for your son's school or lack thereof?
1: So my son's school had originally planned to be back uh, in person in divided cohorts. Mm -hmm. uh, Unfortunately, but, realistically and they decided a couple weeks ago that they're going to have to go back to all virtual because despite their best intentions it just didn't seem like that there was anything they could do to be conducting school in a way that was safe for the students that the teachers and the faculty and so um yeah no he's going to be home it's like uh three and a half hours of synchronistic learning a day Mm -hmm. um uh, basically from like a little bit more than that. actually it's from like nine to one thirty every day. And then um after that, you know, it'll be a combination of me taking them to do stuff. Um, you know, we're gonna do like a distance tutor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we're gonna, you know, there is gonna be like a once a week socio emotional, socially distanced hangout at the school for like micro pods within the cohort, all sure. phrases. Like by the way, if I ever, if I never have to say pod cohort pivot any of these things ever again I'd be so happy
0: could you um, stop for one quick second yeah do you remember what everyone was watching in late February
1: watching in terms of what they were streaming on Netflix exactly uh was it Tiger King or no was that, that a, came out like right at the it came out during the pandemic yeah.
0: it was Love uh, is Blind
1: which I have not watched even given it's worth it it's worth your time okay
0: they literally date in pods Oh (laughs) so even now when you're talking about pods and stuff my mind instantly goes to that which is so nice yeah and such a symbol of the before times
1: oh the before time well it was funny i was talking to this woman that i know yesterday and she's dating and i was like how are you dating she's like oh i i get on like zooms for like an hour that is so fascinating and i was like what do you do for an hour on tinder with a person you don't know and You know, the answer is sometimes they cook a meal together. Sometimes it's just a conversation. Sometimes they put on a song and dance, which, you know, you know, dancing with a stranger at a club without the, uh, you know, without the influence, I, I don't, you know, that was never my vibe, but imagine doing it just in your living room staring at your laptop at some other stranger.
0: Hey, if you could, if you could fall in love via zoom during this, good for you. That's Dude, no, that
1: would be amazing. That would be and I'm sure someone's writing that screenplay right now. Oh yeah. Probably has already sold it. Um, Cause it'll be easy to film now.
0: <laughs> so your son's socially distant, uh, respectable yeah. pod situation. Does he get to pick who's in the pod or does the school assign no. that?
1: No, the school assigns it. Huh. You can talk about, you know, if you've been like doing, you know, pods yourself or, if, you know, he has BFFs, mm-hmm. but you know, it's really up to the teachers to make sure that, uh, the class is balanced. And yeah. so, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is, man, to not, not to use a phrase that's been poorly used in recent weeks, but, um, you know, I, I trust the school to come up with good. So you're happy with the school. You're, frame. you're
0: happy that he's in the specific, um, market yeah it's a weird thing to say no
1: i mean to be honest i've heard from so many parents whose schools didn't deliver the technology they needed Mm -hmm. they didn't deliver synchronistic or like particularly distance friendly learning um and you know like basically i've heard from so many parents like they're like what do they do and they're like play video games they would like read a couple of books in the morning and then that would be it or like they have like a couple of math sheets to do every week and i'm like oh my god I mean, I, you know, and I think parents were like willing to be like, okay, we lost the spring yeah, and there's nothing we can do about it. But now they're like, wait, you're expecting us to lose the fall and the winter too. And now we're realizing that how much of a negative impact that's going to have on the growth of our children, the earning potential of our children down the road, all of it.
0: I'm a little surprised that there hasn't been this giant wave of popularity in boarding schools. Hmm. Because if you think about what Great Britain did for the kids that were living in London during World War II, they kind of shipped them all away. And yeah. this seems like a really good time to ship all the good, healthy kids away in a safe, bubble-like environment where they could thrive. And I understand that it's a lot of money. Trust me. But if you look at how much money uh, was spent yeah. <laughs> on the, uh, the small business – not the small business, but the um, – one of the – what's the – BPP? the PPP loans it's like yeah. it's something like two hundred and twenty two thousand dollars per saved job it's such a waste of money yeah. that's a you could easily make us funded boarding schools very easily that being said who's going to trust the government uh, when it comes to uh, children being shipped away and not being put in cages so I understand yeah. there'd be hesitancy but very surprised that that wasn't even floated I've, I haven't seen any uh, hive mind about boarding schools.
1: Well, to be honest, like I know some, you know, people have sent their kids away to summer camps Mm -hmm. to mix results. Some of them have had really safe, strong experiences where the kids, you know, no one got coronavirus and, you know, the kids had a great time and, you know, the counselors and the, the rest of the staff at the camps were like essentially isolated with the kids. But then you hear about all these, you know, summer schools, you know, et cetera, et cetera, where they tried everything. They thought they had it all right. And then the next thing you know, a bunch of kids have tested positive for the coronavirus. And, you know, there's no follow-up story on like, okay, so 18 kids in the school got the coronavirus or 18 kids at the summer camp got coronavirus. I mean, there was the one camp that had like 230 some Mm -hmm. kids get coronavirus. You don't hear the follow-up story, which is, okay, well, how many people did they spread it to when they went home? You know, that's the, that's the almost the more terrifying uh, part of the story because you know as everybody points out you know kids are you know they're they seem to be a little bit more immune to, to the <laughs> ill effects of the disease though by no means literally immune yeah um and there's certainly kids that have suffered horrible health consequences and even that have died because of it um so i i mean the thing that's uh, the conversation in our household right now is that even though zephyr doesn't go to school in montgomery county that's where we live and You know, all the schools are virtual now. All the public schools are virtual. And uh, it looks like the private schools in Montgomery County will be too. But there are all these like private daycare operations that are renting rooms in schools and running daycares Mm -hmm. in school that are supposed to be like, you know, educational, supplemental daycare. You know, it's like, we'll watch your kids and we'll do their their stuff with them. You know, we'll make sure they're watching their Zooms and we'll, we'll help them with our homework. And everyone is like, okay, so we can have, you know, paid daycare that people are shelling out of their pockets for in school, but we can't have actual school in those very same buildings with some of the very same kids that'll be attending this daycare. And, uh, anyway, I, that blows my mind. So, um, and of, of course it's a big question of, you know, equity and access who has the literal equity as well as the figurative equity in order to, to do those kinds of things and the kind of privilege that's, required to do those things economically and otherwise Um, and those people who don't. So that's been sad. That's been really hard to see. And um, again, you know, I consider myself somebody who has a diverse group of friends from a lot of different strata of society. And uh, you know, even I know that there are stratas and sections of society that I don't hear from face to face, friend to friend. And uh, you know, those stories are even more heartbreaking from this parts of society that you're hearing from. Um, you know, and uh, that and that's that's just that's really that's hard to get a grasp on, I think, for a lot of people.
0: Um, do you think uh, I'm trying to think of a not super depressing anything right now? For obvious, yeah, reasons. I
1: you got me. I can't, I can't, I'm not gonna, I can not i am not i can not give you anything. <laughs> is seven and a half
0: a, a good age to be during a global pandemic? Because like you're foraging for mushrooms with your kid like two hours ago. Like yeah. I don't think a 17 year old is going to want to do that, but I don't know.
1: Yeah. You know um, I think that seven and a half is a good time for this on some level. Um, it's hard because you know, he's like a very, he's a very physical kid. He's a super creative kid. And mm-hmm. he's like also like a very social kid. And so, you know, the creative stuff you can do at home, but he's at an age where he needs to learn. And so we've been doing some really, you know, we got him an art tutor, his favorite teacher, art teacher from school, is doing some like Zoom lessons with him. He's been doing these amazing, um, if your kid was older, I'd recommend them, these amazing uh, art classes from the Hirschhorn that are like 40 bucks a week. Uh, They were doing this summer camp Mm -hmm. and every day... would. they sent this huge box of like materials that clearly cost more than the class itself. Um, Every day they did some cool new project uh, for an hour every morning. Um, That was awesome. Uh, And then the third thing that he really likes to do is, you know, social and, you know, he has zoom chats with friends. He, you know, plays video games online with friends a little bit. Um, But he, you know, he's kind of missing out on that. And, uh, you know, I try to be as physical and active with him to get, you know, so he can get his yaya's out, mm-hmm. but I can't keep up with the seven and a half year old. And I mean, I try, man, but yeah. like he is, he is a strong, fast kid. And, uh, I'm never going to be able to play as long and hard as like his seven and a half year old buddies. Now so, that
0: we're five months into this, are you still trying to keep certain nights special? I know when this kind of started, you were like Friday nights are going to be Friday nights. <laughs> it's going to be a thing. Yep. Is that still going?
1: It is. Yeah. No, Friday and uh, Friday nights, movie night. And, uh, Friday and Saturday nights are movie nights, and one night we'll order takeout. That's and cool. uh, you know, uh, though it took us like I don't know, like a month or two, probably a couple months before we felt comfortable doing takeout. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so Friday nights and Saturday nights are still feel still feel special, and Sundays are still they Sundays still feel like a day of rest. Um, though I end up like doing a million different projects on sure. Sundays, just because that's the kind of person I am. But it's nice because it's not a you know, you're, there's not all sorts of other stuff coming at you, like people don't tend not to call unless they're friends for a good catch up and you know, no one's emailing you about any work stuff. Not that there's much of that anyway. Mm -hmm. But um yeah, I mean there's still definitely a rhythm to the week. And also like, you know, over the summer we've been trying to do a lot of schooling stuff with Zephyr. So, you know, he has like a continuing education, tutor three days a week and, you know, he does he has an online book club and he does he has to do reading every day and he has to do math every day. Um, but we take a break from those things on the weekends. So they still feel like weekends. Um, and we're actually taking a vacation on starting on Saturday, which is not, um, something we've really done.
0: And where are you going? Um,
1: We are going to Chincoteague, which we've never been to. Um, but, uh, friends of ours have been going for years and have, you know, always gushed about it and have always wanted us to come. And this is the first year it can actually work out. Uh, so we've, uh, we, you know. There was like strict rules, you know, we so we're potting up with two other families uh after quarantining and uh you know, we're gonna spend a week with them and uh, you know, kind of stay stay in the house except for so you have a out.
0: house, you're not camping on the beach or anything with the horses. No,
1: no camping, okay. no camping. No, my my wife uh I mean, if it was the only way to do it, she would probably do it to get out of the house. But yeah. um she definitely would prefer the house and um, you know, so would I frankly. I mean, like, you know, I love camping, but amidst all this like a little quote-unquote luxury (laughs) yeah um isn't is not uh yeah i'm not turning my nose up to that will this Um, be the
0: first time you're sharing with food other than your wife and son
1: uh well we were um not to be a downer but we were in central new york for five weeks this summer because my father was in hospice care yeah and so we uh stayed with my mother who lived a couple hours away from my dad was uh, where my dad was. And, uh, my, in my wife's family lives just a mile away from my mom. And oh, so that's convenient. we got to break bread with them. And, uh, and my sister lives close by in Ithaca where my father was. And so we got to break bread with them too. So, um, yeah, so the, but other than family, yeah, this is really the only, the only, uh, bread breaking outside of the the pond that we've done. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it because, I mean, I love cooking and yeah. it's been great doing a lot of like interesting cooking that I wouldn't have otherwise done, but it's also really nice to eat a home cooked meal that somebody else cooks for you. Yeah. That they put some love into what have you, what have you guys been doing food wise? Do you, if you found yourself or has your lovely wife been cooking a lot or.
0: Um, because I thought I was going to go back to work all of uh-huh. February and March in early parts of March yeah. was just, I was filling a, a giant freezer full of like chilies and soups and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Smart. And then that, I'm still eating that stuff um, because there's no job. And uh, I was already Mm. baking bread. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Like, this is nothing new for me. And um, I love doing uh, giant batches of things. So I've been doing a lot of um, batched, like, rice and beans. And then I'll Mm -hmm. eat that for breakfast and lunch for, like, two or three weeks type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just continuing to do those things um, because we have a 13-month-old that's like, yeah, my wife or I are making something that, that involves uh, cheese or something that's high calories and uh, density mm-hmm. calories uh, <laughs> to give to him. But other than that, it's it's like I said before, like it's not that different from my life before. Yeah, it's just all the things that made living here worth it have been stripped away.
1: Yeah, have and, you? Uh, do you have a sweet tooth? Have you been doing any baking? Nope.
0: Or? I'm pretty indifferent to sweets. And oh, um, you
1: poor thing. <laughs> I love good sweets.
0: I'm not opposed to them, but um, it's a situation where I'm, like, not, it,
1: opposed to I'm not opposed to sweets.
0: Uh, <laughs> when it's this hot out, we try not to run the oven. So, like, I haven't baked any bread since May.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I, whenever I do it, it's a love hate relationship yeah. with my family because they do love the results, but they hate when the house gets all heated up. And, yeah. I, and, I, bl- and I don't blame them. Um, but the results are so good that it's definitely worth the pain. If
0: for some, like, for is some odd reason she got to go. The, one of the last things she did was uh, cover Bernie rallies in um, Phoenix and Detroit. And Whoa. then the next weekend we were all shut down. So that weekend I like made bread and <laughs> I think I like made a pot roast or something like that and like roasted a bunch of carrots and stuff. That's the last time I will do that for the foreseeable future because the way I like to do it is uh, alone or with my yeah. son strapped to me. Like she's a much better cook than me. And. I am also the kind of learner that doesn't want notes. Mm-hmm. I want to screw up and then go back and fix it myself. Yep. So it's not a good time right now yeah. to be in a kitchen.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, no. But I'm I can not understand complaining that perspective. about it. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, the thing that I found so liberating about sourdough is that once I learned how to do it, and it's certainly not a, process that I've perfected or I think that anybody ever truly perfects because there are so many elements of it that are beyond your control, even if you've learned how to control them as as best they can be. Um, the thing I love about sourdough is that once you know how to do it, it like there's obviously there's like a fair amount of time that goes into it, but it's, you know, it's a long period of time, but there's very little work that goes into it. Mm -hmm. There's lots of kind of like waiting in between the various stages. But once you feel like you control it, you know, and can turn out a good boule. Like I find it like so satisfying when everything else is going to shit and there's nothing else I can control. It. I'm always like, I'll just bake a loaf of bread, and I know it's going to take you know over a day, really, um, almost two days if I have to start up you know my starter and stuff like that. But I'm going to feel at the end of it and during the process that I have control over something. Uh, whereas everything else is, there are so many big picture things that you know I can make my own decisions and for personal safety and stuff like that. But there's so many other elements that are so beyond my control. But the sourdough feels like something that you can uh, kind of harness and kind of control to some degree. Yeah. And um, that being said, in the beginning, when I was trying, when I was learning how to make it, and I was making failure bulls, It was soul crushing. It Mm. was so, I mean, I don't know if you remember what it was like to start learning how to make bread, but you put so much work into it, obviously, and it is such a long process that when it doesn't turn out at the end and you don't necessarily know why because you're just such a novice, it's heartbreaking. Uh, Especially when, like me, you're freighting it with all of this extra meaning. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's like this is me taking control of the world and uh in at least for a few minutes i feel like i do have it um but yeah i mean to this day like i made a bull this week uh i made a rye rye bread which i'd never made before and uh i forgot to turn i superheat the oven when i'm you know heating up mm-hmm. the cast irons and i forgot to turn down the oven when i put the bread back in and i burned the crust on the bottom and i was just so pissed at myself and i was like just a reminder, when I think that I know the process well enough and I think I have control of it, there it is. Well, did you eat it? I still ate it, yeah. yeah I got it off wasn't the bottom and I ate it. No, 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 no. It was not a, t- was not a total failure. I had it with, uh, I think I put, uh, I know I put kava tzatziki and mm-hmm. uh, some uh, Ivy City smokehouse uh, smoked salmon on top and some capers and some red onions, and it was delicious.
0: I wonder if those two businesses will still exist at the end of this.
1: You know, you talk to all so many business people that I have talked to and those two businesses are lucky in the sense that they do have, you know, products that are shelf stable yep. that can be sold in places that are still open. And obviously grocery stores are just doing a bang up business at this point. Um, now, of course, Kava's in restaurant and catering businesses, I'm sure, have cratered into mere ghosts of what they used to be before uh, and ditto with uh, Ivy City with uh, you know wholesale to small boutique spots and uh, and to restaurants and and their own uh, restaurants and retail shops but you know I'm hopeful that because they do have that component to their business they can at least stay afloat yeah. and you know keep a people couple people employed and the lights on just enough um, you know um, unfortunately you know, I don't think we know the true scope of the damage yet because people just haven't, people haven't pulled the plug yet or they've pulled the plug plug so quietly that uh, no one's written about it or no one knows that it's even happened yet. But, you know, obviously a bunch of restaurants we love and um, food related ventures are going to just go the way of, of so many others that have gone before them. But this will be a particularly tragic set of losses. Um, Yeah.
0: I wonder yeah, if the, no. uh, if like the general palate will be different after this, like the way that microwaves changed uh, cooking in the mm. '50s and '60s, and microwave dinners changed things, and the way that certain chain restaurants changed things. Will this alter things? Because I highly doubt the kids in Zephyr's class are eating as well as Zephyr you in know, terms of I, I, variety. Yeah. And just in terms of variety and quality of food, like you're really good at this stuff. My wife's uh, really good at this stuff. Yeah. I'm middling it best. And if you're the one doing all of the cooking, are you going to do like the same five dishes all the time? Or are you going to try to expose that palette? Are you going to try to bring new right. experiences into the home? Or are you just so defeated by the end of the day? Here's the Mac and cheese.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, some days, you know, I, I wish that I would just give in and buy box Mac and cheese, but I can't bring myself to do it. Um, you know, I, th- I have heard from a lot of people that I some that I would expect, some that I wouldn't expect are doing more cooking and baking than they've ever done before and enjoying it more than they thought that they would. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've also heard a lot of people ordering a shit ton of takeout and, you know, a lot of meal kits. And uh, we I mean, which I don't blame anyone for, like if you don't love it, but now you really do have to do all the cooking yeah. um, or at least providing of the food in a way that you didn't before with the how given how much people used to eat out and stuff. Um, you know, I don't, and I also don't blame people cause you know, a lot of people are working yeah. more because they, you know, they, they're zooming all the time. They have, you know, they have to work more cause their spouse or partner, uh, you know, lost their job or lost hours. Um, you know, I'm not judging anyone in this. Like you do what you have to oh, do. Oh no, not, this
0: is not a judgment. You know? I, in, in no, no, I didn't way. think
1: you were, no, I'm just saying to myself. And you know, so whenever anyone's just like, yeah, I don't have it in me. And Oh, in I get you it. And, you <laughs> know, I'm like, yeah, that's dude, that's totally cool, man. Like honestly, if I was working 12 hours a day, I would not be cooking like two hour, you know, dinners mm-hmm. or, you know, doing meals that take three days to prepare cause I'm doing multiple elements. Absolutely not. We would be on a a very straightforward diet of, of basics and basics. Here's a um, somewhat
0: related tangent. Um, we we were trying to go to Trader Joe's like once every two months at most. And oh
1: wow, which which Trader Joe's do you go
0: to? The one northeast of me. It's probably near you. Um,
1: the one in Silver Spring. On, I think uh, so. Off of Colesville. It's on, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah,
0: they do a really good job with the socially distanced stuff.
1: Oh yeah,
0: yeah. But we also just try to not go to Trader Joe's in general because it's like it's just all the food and all. There's nothing wrong with all the whatsoever. I used to go to Aldi, Aldi all the all the time, but um, it's like the perfect kid food because it's like not no flavor, but it's barely any flavor, <laughs> and it's and it's like it's done. It's the perfect kid food.
1: Hmm yeah I you know I don't know um if you're going to other grocery stores more often to supplement your your trader oh I'm
0: doing the we already had the produce box delivery yep so we have that every week and then like once every two weeks then we'll probably do like a whole foods order
1: ah nice that kind of thing you know what I discovered a couple weeks ago that I hadn't done before but now we're doing is uh South Mountain Creamery is delivers you know milk cream eggs Mm -hmm. all sorts of other goodies um and so we've started to do that. Not that I can pick it up when I go to Whole Foods once a week. But, Is it like a uh, CSA box? It No, you order a la carte. You oh, set cool. up your delivery schedule. You can set it up so they come once every week, once every two every two weeks. I think you can do they once a month. You can can be the same order every time. It can be the same order every mm-hmm. other time. You can mix and match. Um, they had a waiting list, but we, after putting ourselves on the waiting list, I think we got started. Getting the offer of delivery like three days after that. Oh, nice! So, um yeah, that was definitely. I mean, I love their stuff. I buy it at Whole Foods anyway. This is just one less thing that I have to think about, which is always nice. Uh, That's probably one like of the things of I miss the, the most business.
0: is grocery shopping because I used to go literally every day. Yeah, buying like four things,
1: <laughs> dude. <how do> you... <laughs> yeah, I would. I I don't think I was ever. You know, I would always shop just like once a week, and then you make do until next Saturday. Um, no, But then everywhere. every once in a while, you'd be like, oh, you know, I've got this real aching, yeah. this real hangry was the best. for something. you
0: Because know. when I lived in Adams Morgan, I was like a block and a half from Safeway on the route home right. was a Whole Foods right. and a Trader Joe's and a Giant and, and a Harris Teeter. So every <laughs> single day. And then now, you know where I live, there's a yeah. Safeway like four or five blocks away. Yep. So every day you'd go for literally two to four things and it was <laughs> the best. And I loved going. Not because I needed to buy a bunch of food, but because I loved knowing that right. the options were there. This is one of the reasons you live in a city, because you want all the food from all over the world in this under this one roof, and isn't that a beautiful thing? And then if they don't have it, I can go to this wonderful place in Addamsburg to get Japanese noodles or something like that, yeah. and that's gone.
1: <laughs> well, dude, do you remember like back in March and April when you know, you'd trade hot tips with friends about places that had like bread flour or yeast yes. or regular yes, flour do. or whatever random ingredients that does. It's actually not so random that every place was sold out of that. You, you found like the one place that had it. And you would tell people like, I remember a neighbor told me that they couldn't find toilet paper oh, yeah. and like we buy toilet paper in bulk. So we have like, a, we always have like a year supply that we buy once a year. And so I was like, well, I'm not worried about that. I'll just keep an eye out for him and I'll pick him up, you know, a couple of rolls the next time i'm out it took me two weeks to find yeah. him toilet paper and you know when i brought it i might as well have showed up in his yard with like a treasure chest full of gold bullion for the joy that was on his face
0: i think the better question is why don't you just offer him some of your year's supply
1: well because he they they are an older couple and they have needs of softness understood that, you know like you know that i understood like, i totally you know understood so um no, it wasn't that I was being selfish with our supply, but thanks for making me look like an asshole, Brad.
0: Yeah, you're the one who brought it up. So,
1: <laughs> oh man. Now, out of curiosity, I don't think that this is the case, but your son has no idea what's going on.
0: No, he's 13 months old, and that's yeah. The...
1: No, no idea. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's I, great. I think
0: so, but I'm not as worried as about it as my wife because I've talked to people that have like two and a half year olds, and they're like, "Oh, it's fine." Like they're yeah. not worried worried about their developmental anything, yeah. But she's a little worried. I'm a little less worried, but there's still some worry there. Yeah. Um. What do you think? You've clearly are well past this stage, but um. Was Zephyr seeing other kids? Was he in daycare at this age? Was well, uh, like
1: so. Yeah. So he started in daycare when he was three months old. Okay, and uh, he went five days a week, from you know like seven thirty eight in the morning yeah. until five o'clock or four o'clock and uh, you know, but you know, it was basically, you know, he wasn't playing at first, of course, you know, it, so I think he would have missed that if he didn't have it um, having known it then. Yeah. But, um, but you know, like the play dates that he was having outside of that were always like the kids of friends of ours. Yeah. We like the parents and we think the kids get along well enough, you know? Um, it's not like he had BFFs. He had yeah. the BFFs that we chose for him.
0: Well, that's everyone uh, at that age. But the fact yeah. is, he still saw other kids, and it's like my kid does a thing where, like, he'll walk, but he needs to pull up on something, but he doesn't actually need to pull up on something. He just doesn't. He can't figure yeah. it out. But if he had other kids around him, he would have easily figured it out by now.
1: Yeah, yeah. But now, also,
0: like, who cares? Like, he'll figure it out sooner or
1: later. He, he will figure it out. That that is true. Um I do wonder about all the developmental stuff that doesn't happen when kids aren't around older kids or other kids their age that know how to do things that they don't know how to do. I certainly wonder about it with Zephyr. Um, You know, I wish that, uh, I wish that he did have those aspirational inspirational characters around him or just the kids around him that are his age that make him look at the world in a different way or make him try something new or, you know, any, any number of the million little things that happen in a kid's daily life that sure. we are not to that have some profound impact on, on the people that they become or the people they are. So I do, I, you know, I do worry about that, but I know there's nothing that we can do about it. And so we can just, we just try to be the best parents that we can be. And, try to give him everything that he
0: needs. Well, he's in a, he's a really interesting age because so many kids around his age are probably deciding if they're going to be indoor kids or outdoor kids. And he, and yeah, and he seems to ride the line between the two. And I wonder if once we can go outdoors with the freedom that we had in February, Mm -hmm. if (laughs) there will be more, Wanting to go outside because they have spent so much time. There will be less demand for video games, or will video games just that popularity will just maintain?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I worry because you know we tried we tried before this to regulate screen time very very strictly. We did regulate it very strictly, and now my son is getting hours of screen time every day, whether that's reading apps, you know, educational games, actual video games you know watching clips on youtube zooming with his friends um all of that stuff is like very compelling you know not all of it's super engaging when it comes cuz some of it is educational but you know uh, i you know i do find that i have to like pull him to get out get him outside sometimes or pull him to go outside and be you know athletic and uh, active and I worry, man. You know, it, are we raising the generation of people that are going to look like the the people in Wally, You know, like the like the big, rounded, tubby folk that have to be whisked around on the uh, hover platform. No,
0: all those people will have died from coronavirus, so I won't worry ah, about that. Maybe,
1: maybe, yeah. Aren't you just a bright ray of sunshine?
0: Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this would be the time. Of, I'd say you got anything to plug, but. Um... Enjoy the horsies.
1: Yeah, you know, all, all I would say is if you know, if you're, if you need a writer to do do some food or travel writing, or you know, just writing in general. You
0: you've been, been writing a lot of, writing, not, a lot, not a lot, but you've done parenting writing too. I feel like yeah, no, I've done, I
1: Yeah, no, I've definitely done some parenting writing. I've done a little parenting writing during all of this. Um, I am a little leery of writing about you know, parenting issues these days because I don't ever want to be preachy or come across as holier than thou or well if anyone's looking for a, a preachy writing.
0: or holier than thou parenting writer i'm your man clearly wait to brandon yeah i have the uh, expertise i have the many <laughs> years expertise
1: yeah no parenting writing i have to say is definitely the most rewarding writing i've ever done because it's obviously the most personal that means subject. you get paid the most for that that means i get actually paid the least but i get the most <laughs> number of emails from random people about it um Yeah. Parenting, writing, you know, unless you're going to be like doing like the work of a doctor, like a child psychologist or child nutritionist or something like that, not, not a ton of rent, right money in the writing personal essays about childcare and parenting, but you know, it, when you hit the right note with people, it can be, you know, really gratifying to hear from other parents that are going through the same thing or, or who found some guidance from, from what you wrote. So, you know, that's why I always think long and hard before I, sell a parenting story uh, or pitch one because uh, I want to make sure it means something
0: that's nice um, that's a nice yeah. sentiment
1: yeah it's not the, it's not the question I ask myself before I sell a food story or even a travel story yeah. <laughs> is this going to mean something no it's is this going to be a good story that will be engaging to the reader and compelling to the editor that's the question I ask yeah.
0: I ask uh, when is the check clear I need a yeah, I need money. dude
1: Dude, I had to, you know, it's, speaking of the check, clearing. I have been, you know, I am never surprised as a freelancer when you have to chase down a check, mm-hmm. but I literally spent chasing uh, a double digit check down from a national publication that took me six months. And I'm not kidding, like two or three dozen emails.
0: Are you going to name names or no?
1: Um, it was Thrillist and it was horrible thank you so much
0: for naming names
1: (laughs) yeah no 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 well I'm never going to work for them again uh, because I wouldn't sign their contract because they have an absolutely horrible contract uh, and no freelancer in their right mind should ever sign the Thrillist contract because most people sign contracts without reading them but uh, the Thrillist contract requires freelancers to have uh, an insane amount of insurance um, which no freelance writer ever has you know uh, unless they're also like in video production or something Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I was like, I am not getting a million dollars worth of insurance for thrillists. Are you kidding me? Um, and, uh, yeah. And so then it just took forever to get my rinky dinky paycheck for the story that I wrote for them. Um, so that's but,
0: the, that's the story we'll link to definitely.
1: Yeah, please do. Please do. Um, you know, that was a piece I was really proud of, you know, but, uh. <laughs> Yeah, dude, you know, it's like one of those things, to be fair, the editor was, it was was like a total mensch and a total gentleman about the whole thing and totally understood why I wouldn't sign the contract and mm-hmm. was very helpful in, in getting me my piddling check. Um, but it, it was just one of those things where, I, you know, it was just like a ridiculous amount of work for a ridiculously small.
0: Well, now I money. feel very hopeful about my future as a freelancer. <laughs>
1: Oh, dude, I, if you want to feel quote unquote hopeful about your future as a freelancer, uh, somebody was kind enough to start compiling a Google spreadsheet of all the publications that have stopped taking freelancer work since the start of this. And I have to tell you, it is a startlingly long list of hundreds of publications, many whose names you will recognize. And that's how we're going to end it. (laughs) That's the up note we're going to kids. Think about another career. Think about a side hustle or seven. If writing is your passion, it just may not be the way you keep your lights on.
0: Oh, that's depressing. (laughs)